me good? Hi, this is Katrina. And this is Sydney. And this is Murder of Seth. Today, our beautiful Sydney is going to be telling us about who? Lacey Peterson. I'm really sad about it. But like, I know that sounds like I'm saying it in a mocking way, but I'm really not. Like it was, it's a disturbing case. Sounds like my kind of case. Yeah, it's super sad. Um, happened in like the early two thousands. Like, if I was kind, I was kind of sad that Chloe wasn't going to be with us today because stuff um happened around the time her and Gracie were born. Like it, yeah. we were like eleven or twelve. So yeah. yeah. But anyway, to get started, so Lacey was born May fourth in nineteen seventy five. Her parents, who had met in high school, owned a dairy farm in what I guess is pronounced Escalon, California. Um, but her parents, Sharon and Dennis, divorced when Lacey was really young. And her mother remarried when she was just two years old to a man named Ron Gransky. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, too. Um, anyway, Lacey was a cheerleader in junior high and high school. You know, she was popular, seemed like she had good grades and stuff from what I could research. After graduation, she attended um, California Polytech University, where she majored in horticulture, which I thought was really cool because, you know. Because we did horticulture. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, while she was there, she would visit a friend who worked at a restaurant in Morrow Bay. And this is where she met her friend's co-worker, Scott Peterson. Uh, Lacey made the first move with Scott. She sent him her phone number. And immediately after meeting him, she called her mom and told her she'd met the man she was going to marry. Which is all, like, sweet and, you know, super sweet. But anyway, um, so Scott calls Lacey and they start dating. Um, and when their relationship started to progress and get serious, Scott decided to put aside his dreams of a professional golf career and focus on like a business path. And yes, you heard my right. Okay. You poor, poor baby. You decided to put your, your dreams aside of being a professional golfer. Get a grip. Grow up. Yeah. Yeah. That's my middle schoolers all tell me when they grow up, they're going to be NFL or NBA stars. And I'm like, you know, go for gold, like go for it, but have a backup plan too. Cause you know, I, I just feel like these are 20 year olds, which I know at 20, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, obviously we have to have professional golfers and football players and stuff like that but when I was reading this I almost felt like they were applauding him like oh he he gave up his dreams no he just decided to be a grown-up yeah and pursue a career instead yeah. of you know anyway off of my soapbox uh the couple dated for about two years and then they moved in together while Scott was finishing up his senior year Lacey took a job nearby um, prosecutors also stated like that around this time Scott began the first of at least two affairs 
uh, but they didn't reveal any names or details. And I couldn't find any info really on whether or not Lacey knew about these. So he was just a douchebag. Yeah. Uh, anyone listening, if your significant other cheats, they're douchebags. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they could just leave you. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> 100%. But uh, so anyway, um, after her graduation, that was on August 9th of 97, Lacey and Scott got married. And then Scott graduated in June of 98. So soon after this, the Petersons opened like a little sports bar called The Shack. And business was slow at first, but it eventually did improve, especially on the weekends. Um, but the couple decides to put the shack up for sale and move to Lacey's home da- hometown, which is Modesto, California, to start a family. So in October of 2000, that's when they purchased like their little upscale home. It was in a really nice neighborhood near East Loma Park. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And then the shack sold um, the next April too. So after this, Lacey took a part-time job as a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. and um scott got a job with trade corp usa so all seemed well you know they're they're working they're moving forward um Lacey's family said that she worked with like an enthusiasm at being the perfect housewife which i just thought was so cute you have to look at pictures of her she's beautiful she was just beautiful but, like, she really wanted to be the perfect housewife. She liked cooking and entertaining um, and stuff like that. So that's why her family was really excited and welcomed the news in 2002 that she was pregnant. So Lacey's due date was February 10th of 2003. And the couple found out that they were having a son and planned to name him Connor. Um. In November of 2002, when Lacey was seven months pregnant, Scott was introduced by a friend to a massage therapist named Amber Frey. Um, In later statements, Amber Frey would say that Scott told her he was single, and then they began a romantic relationship. But I'm just wondering, like, who's this friend? Like, you know, I'm married, and my wife is seven months pregnant and you're introducing me to other women well and you also know like your your vibe attracts your tribe so you know if he's a if he's an asshole he's not gonna have like super awesome like good friends he's gonna have people that are gonna enable him and going to be doing a lot of the same skeezy skeezy stuff he's doing Right. Like my mom used to tell me, which is totally like an 80 statement. And I can't remember. She tells me some who I would call it, someone I would call like an old timer around play that probably everyone knows used to tell her, if you run with the dogs, you'll get the fleece. <laughs> totally kind of like rude. Um, I don't think he meant that these other people were dogs that just that they were doing things and if she hung out with those kind of people that she would end up doing the same thing yep anyway another soapbox you know (laughs) so on december 23rd 2002 um 
Lacey's, I think about seven and a half months pregnant. Um, and her and Scott go to this place called Salon Salon, which is um, Lacey's sister's place of employment. And Lacey's sister's name's Amy Roca. I think that's how you say it. Um, so she, uh, she's actually, I think, Lacey's half-sister, which does that matter? No. No. Yeah, that, that's silly. But anyway, um, Amy cut, cut Scott's hair, which she does every month. Like, you know, it's kind of a schedule thing. And they're talking and Scott offers to pick up a fruit basket that Amy had ordered as a Christmas gift for her grandfather. Um, he said, I'll pick up tomorrow. You know, I'm going to be golfing at a course nearby. And prosecutors also say that they have statements that Scott told other people too that he would be golfing on Christmas Eve. Oh, which is, yeah, weird to me, but you know, I mean, I'm not judging anybody else's yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, to each his own. Like, everybody's yeah. got their own traditions and stuff. I just, I personally don't feel like my husband. Like, I'm always a super. You know, tri- I'm not a traditionalist on stuff, but at Christmas, I want to be with my family, exactly. especially if my wife was expecting a baby. Uh, yeah. If I'm, if I'm big and pregnant, you better be home rubbing my feet because I'm making a baby card. Fixy food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so he told Amy and I assume that since he told Amy that this is also what Lacey thought he had planned um so Lacey's mother said that she spoke on the phone with Lacey about 8 30 that evening and this is the last time that she ever talks to her daughter ever which is heartbreaking to me heartbreaking to me I want to lock my girls up and never let them out of my sight I mean my boy too but you know it's you know um So Scott later tells police that he's seen his wife about 9.30 a.m. on Christmas Eve morning. Um, And that's when he left to go fishing, not golfing, fishing at the Berkeley Marina. He said Lacey was watching a cooking show and then her plan was to mop the floor before baking cookies and walking the dog at a nearby park. How pregnant was she? Seven and a half months pregnant. This girl is on it. You are mopping and bacon and walking the dog i mean i'll give it to her i will say not to my horn i taught pio until i was seven months pregnant but by the end of the seven months like because i remember saying it was january and i was like i will finish out january but then i'm done and let me tell you it was rough like my body just did not do the things that it could do without that watermelon inside of me so like yeah. kudos to that shift right there because that's a lot being seven months pregnant. You're huge already. I was only I was only about six and a half months pregnant. Now, mind you, this is my third child, so I know that things are different, but Yeah, that's true. The beach. And I had I cannot remember the term that they use, but it's like PFD or something I don't know but it's just an early pelvic like dysplasia where your your pelvis bones just start to open a little early probably because your body's been to that mine did that with Anson 
yeah at six months pregnant like walking up the stairs I felt like there was just a bowling ball between my legs oh yeah like crying it apart like I yeah, yeah that was but with my with LJ with my first child um on our spring break which was, was probably March or April so I was probably like eight or nine months not nine I was probably like seven or eight um we went to DC and before I got pregnant I could do like 30,000 steps in a day and be like that was nothing dude like 9,000 steps and I thought my legs were going to fall off of my body I literally every night that we were there I had to set my legs in the hot tub because you know you can't put your body and you're pregnant I would set my legs in the hot tub and Elijah would sit down in there and massage them because they hurt so bad so like those of you who are men and listening and women who have never had babies, your body changes when you are pregnant. And that third trimester is like another level of morphing into something else. But also women who haven't had babies, if you want babies, don't let us discourage you because you are woman and here you are. Your body's made to do it, girlfriend. You can do whatever. I mean, I have two and you have three. So obviously, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like does pregnancy suck? Yes. But the end goal is awesome. Like I love yeah. my children. They drive me crazy, but I love them a lot. That like our rants are just getting, where's Chloe? We need I, Chloe to fill us in. I, yeah. Chloe to be like, all right, guys, shut up. Move on. <laughs> no, we're talking about pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, guys. Okay. So um anyway she was gonna mop and bake and walk the dog um and she was seven and a half months pregnant so um oh no okay so later that morning um karen service i guess i hope i'm saying that right is a neighbor was a neighbor and she stated that she found the peterson's golden retriever mckenzie outside their home alone and this was about 10.30 a.m. She stated um, that she just returned the dog to the backyard, that she didn't observe anything out of place um, or anything like that. So dogs just running amok and, you know. But, I mean, what would your neighbor do? I mean, my neighbors wouldn't even bring my dog back. And I have great neighbors. They're mostly family, but they wouldn't bring my – they wouldn't come to my house. Well, so, and also, like, you you are a little bit different. Kala – um, our Airedale she, buddy, she likes adventure. And there's yeah. been a couple times that she's got out, and our neighbors have been like, "Hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, Kala's out." And a couple, like a couple, like one of the times someone brought her back. The other time, Kala likes to play this game where it's like fetch, but she's the thing you gotta fetch, and she uh-huh. like, doesn't want you to catch her because she thinks uh-huh. it's fun, and it's not. It's awful. Um, but like in town, which I'm assuming she probably lived in town, I'm sure, or like, like in a, a um, suburban area. Yeah. Um, if if you are friendly with your neighbors, they're going to either bring your dog back, or they're going to be like calling you, being like, "Hey, your dog's loose. You you want to come get it?" Because in town, um, you wouldn't have this issue. But in town, if a dog's running loose and you don't get it, it's going to the town. Like someone's coming someone's taking it to the town because if not it's going to get ran over that's just I mean that's just what's going to happen um in the country it's very different 
it's not right. the same. There's no pound. So anyway, go uh, ahead. You're fine. Uh, so she didn't observe anything out of normal. Um, Scott said, Scott returns home that afternoon to an empty house. Lacey's car was in the driveway. Okay. He comes in and not only showers, but washes his clothes because they got wet while he was fishing. Okay, now I want to marry this man. What? Yeah. You just you just come home and run a load of laundry? Tyler would like take his wet clothes and leave them in the laundry room or in the bathroom floor. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, so there was a, a conflict in the two stories. According to ABC News, Scott reports Lacey missing. However, the New York Post and the Modesto Bee, which was like a, I guess there's a paper out there where they were from. They said that Lacey's stepdad, Ron Gransky, called the police. So, I mean, I'm more inclined to believe that it was the stepdad, but. Yeah. Um, so Lacey's keys, wallet, sunglasses, purse, all that are found in the closet when cops arrive. And the table was set for like a family dinner. Um, one detective found a phone book open to a full page ad for a defense lawyer. So I asked my husband, who's a cop, I'm like, is that not like probable cause? He's like, no, but it is like probable. I mean, like, it's like red flag, red flag. Yeah, yeah, red flag, apparently. Like, you can't go to a a defense attorney and be like, hey, he had it open to this. He did it. Case closed. Life life in prison. Which, I mean. I'm just just thinking, like, probable cause to arrest him. Like, what's going on? Let's question him. Let's take him in. I don't know. We can't hold him. But, like, something for this scumbag. Yeah. Um, Anyway. So, um, Scott is also reported to be completely calm. Which just drives me crazy because no you can't tell me that uh, my husband's super calm but you can't tell me that any man who loves his wife and his wife is seven and a half months pregnant with their first child and is missing is not going to be like what's going on well like, and like on the other spectrum like I to think of like committing murder like either like either option like one your wife is missing and she's pregnant I would be be like there was one time random side story there was one time Lijel went to go to Marietta to pick up something and I couldn't get a hold of him for like two hours and I literally was ready to call the police I was like heart attack panic attack like crying and he was just out of service he called me and he's like <laughs> calm down I'm okay I'm like I couldn't get hold of you and I was scared to wreck or something so but like either that or even the other side like how can you be completely calm after yeah. like if you like either way like calm is is a red flag like you yeah. should not be calm I totally agree um so, um, Modesto police detectives, um, I hope I'm pronouncing these right too, John Bueller and Alan Bertini are lead investigators on this case. Um, they questioned Scott that evening. Scott initially said that he had spent the day golfing. He later said that he had gone 
to fish at the Berkeley Marina. At 2.45, he had actually left a message, an answering, missing, answering machine message, message for Lacey that stated, hey, beautiful, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley. Um, Scott stated where he went fishing was about 90 miles from the couple's Modesto home. Detectives immediately launched a search, and the first two days, around like 900 people were involved in looking for Lacey. Um, a $25,000 reward was offered. That was up to $250,000, and finally it was upped again to $500,000. Mm. I mean, these people are desperate to find their daughter. Yeah. You know? um, over 1,500 volunteers signed up to help distribute info and to help search for her. But on um, April 13th, 2003, so the next year, this happened December 24th, um, a couple's walking their dog. They found a decomposing but well-preserved body of a late-term male fetus um, oh. in the area of the San Francisco Bay Shore, which I don't like the term fetus, and I'm a nurse. I'm going to call it a baby, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so it's his umbilical cord was still attached and it appeared to be like to have been torn not cut or clamped um the autopsy report on the baby was sealed but an anonymous source revealed that um one and a half loops of nylon tape were found around the fetus's neck and there was also a significant um cut on his body so this is going on, and then a day later, um, a body of a recently pregnant woman washed up on the shoreline of the bay one mile from where the baby's body was found. Oh. It gets worse. The woman had been decapitated, and her limbs were missing, including most of her legs. Um, so this is the 13th of April. On April 18th, the DNA test results confirmed that they were the bodies of Lacey and Connor. Oh. Um, so the exact date of death was never returned, like determined or reported in anything that I could find. Um, Lacey's cervix was intact, but she had two craft ribs. Um, they said this could have like happened post-mortem though because she was obviously in the water so yeah. um, but her torso had been emptied of all internal organs except for her uterus okay and this is what really confuses me so the doctor that's doing all this stuff he says okay the fetus died in utero and then the body expelled the fetus because that's what our bodies are made to do which I get that it makes sense that maybe that's why the baby's body was more preserved but how did they get now on tape around his neck yeah how was his umbilical cord torn like I and when this doctor was questioned about that I guess he was just kind of like I don't know like it looks like he you know died in utero which he could have because there was that significant wound so maybe he maybe he stabbed her or something I don't know but your boy is disgusting. So um, that's what we're doing here. And then, uh, um, sorry. 
it just breaks breaks my heart. I know. I I'm like, well, um, it is later like publicized that Scott's had numerous extramarital affairs, and one of which Lacey knew about. I'm not judging her. Um, like you want to try to make your marriage work I know especially if you love somebody but yeah and this is why girls just leave just leave yeah um the most recent one was with that therapist the the massage therapist named Amber Frey um Frey actually came when this stuff starts coming out on the news she um informs the police of their relationship that's this December 2002 actually so back then she does that um because she discovered that he was a person of interest in the disappearance and she agrees to phone like call him and um the police recorded their conversation she also informed the police that he told her on december 9th two weeks before Lacey's disappearance he was a widower and it would be the first christmas without his wife that disgusting pig Oh, yeah. So, April 18th, 2003, he is arrested on a golf course. He claims to be meeting his brother and father for golf, but his dark brown hair had been dyed blonde. His Mercedes is overstuffed with stuff, um, including nearly like 15000 in cash, 12 Viagra, survival gear, camping equipment, several changes of clothes, four cell phones, two driver's licenses, his and his brother. First of all, this a-hole, I mean, like, I don't use normally, you know, bad language. This disgusting douchebag is still thinking with his penis. He has to take 12 Viagra tablets with him. Like, I don't even know. So um, Scott's father explains that Scott had used his brother's license the day before to get some kind of San Diego resident discount at a golf course. Um, and But police and prosecutors were like, this is an indication that he's planning on running. Which I, I mean, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So on April 21st, 2003, Scott's arraigned by Judge Nancy Ashley. He was charged with two felony counts of murder with premeditation and special circumstances. Of course, he pled not guilty. Um, They actually had to move his trial to another county because too many people had already made up their minds that he was guilty. Oh, yeah. So, like, they had to move it to another county. his trial Which I, I understand that. I do. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, you have to, that's just the law. You have to give everybody a fair trial. Yeah. Like, whether they're guilty or not, it has to be fair. That, right. I mean, that, yeah. Um, but on, it begins, his trial begins on June 2004. And on November 12th, 2004, he's convicted of first degree murder of Lacey and second degree murder of Connor. Good. Um, 
the judge at this time is Alfred DeLucci. I hope I'm saying that right, these names. Um, but he sentences Scott to death. He literally, his words, he called the murder of Lacey cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous. Um, so he sentenced him. He was on death row. Um, but just a little to bring you up to speed. In March of 19, Governor Gavin Newsom, which we won't get into him um, unless it's on petty. Yeah. But issues a moratorium for all the 737 prisoners on death row in California, including Peterson. The order postponed all executions for the duration of his tenure as governor. So even people that are on death row, they're at least not going to be put to death until he's out of office. Um, but... Uh, he never oh hold on I got a cough guys <clears throat> so he's still in jail but he really he never um, he never pleaded guilty he's never admitted to anything I actually looked up like just a couple years ago they were like oh there's new evidence and it's going to prove him innocent he's there's nothing you could say. Literally, you could show me a time-stamped video of him being somewhere, and I still wouldn't believe that yeah, he no. didn't kill her. No. Um, also, just a little note. Uh, the death of Lacey and Connor led to the passage of an Unborn Victims of Violence Act, which I thought was really cool. I mean, not cool. Obviously, yeah, but, they lost their lives. I mean, but um, something good came out of this horrible. Yeah, um, in two thousand four, Lacey's mom and stepdad were in attendance at the White House, <clears throat> and President Bush um, signed a bill into law. The act proves that, like, under federal law, any person who causes death or injury to an unborn child, um, will be charged with a whole separate offense, like. Yeah, like if you kill a pregnant woman, it, it's, it's murder too or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I did find out that Scott also was trying to collect um, Lacey's $250,000 life insurance policy. Of course he was. But since, um, obviously, since he was convicted of her m- murder, there's a California law that states criminals may not profit from insurance policies. So, yeah. Um, In 2005, the money was actually given to her money, or her mother, sorry, um, because her mother was executor of her estate. Yeah. Um, But, like, I mean, I could go on and on. There's there's tons of things that I could rant and rave about with this case. Um, I'm, like, I remember it being on the news when we were kids. Yeah. I'm a true crime junkie, so I like to watch the new, you know, they're always coming out with some kind of new dateline type yeah. thing. Um, but the more I read about this, I was just disgusted. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a capital punishment girl. I always say that, you know, maybe I would feel different if it was my family, my child, my mom, you know, stuff like that. But I'm usually very on the fence about any kind of capital punishment. But, I mean, cut his arms off. Cut his legs off. 
it, and cut it's his like, head off. Like it's like killing killing his wife is awful. Like killing anyone is awful. But there's always, I mean, I mean to hurt a child, to hurt a baby. I mean, there's a reason that those type of people get murdered in prison because oh, yeah. even criminals, even murderers will not stand for hurting children like hurting a baby it like there there's nothing in my mind that i can think of that is worse than hurting a baby hurting a child there like murder is awful and it's bad but there is nothing that i can imagine that is worse than hurting a child i can't get past like i usually don't put myself in this position but her mom sharon like I read somewhere where she said, you know, it's the same. It's been X amount of years and she's still, she wrote a book and she's still like dealing with this. And I thought about that. Like, what if it was not only my child, but I knew my child was carrying my very first grandchild. Like just, ugh. I hate him. I hate him. Yeah. He, that, he like despicable just the most despicable creature on the planet and I have no sympathy for him and you know we were talking me and Tyler were talking earlier and he's like I don't know you get so up in your feelings I don't know why you even like doing that and um you know I don't know why I like learning about it either but I also like feel a little bit like maybe if you talk about the victims and you say their names you get them out there you know because obviously they can't do you know what I'm trying to say I know exactly I know exactly what you're saying we we are giving these victims a little bit more I'm sure no of course this story was very public I'm sure a lot of people knew about it but you know don't ever stop talking about it they yeah this woman died probably a horrific death because someone just wanted to take her money and screw someone else like instead of just leaving her yeah and I did see a thing oh I wish I would have wrote it down that um maybe it was last year or year before last how old's Chloe she was born in 2002 right yeah and she's gonna be 20 so it was like a couple years ago um he was maybe like they had brought him back up and the mom actually went, um, Lacey's mom actually went and she was testifying to why he shouldn't, you know, be paroled, which he wasn't. Um, but she, she looked at him and said, you know, Connor would be 18 this year. You'd be done paying child support for, for him. And I just thought, go mama. Like, is that the whole reason behind this? Like, you didn't want to start over and have to pay for a child that you created like yeah. is that the whole reason that these two innocent people died like I just yeah. I, I know I well that was Gross. rough that was a rough Gross. rough episode yeah it, it always and I, and I don't want to keep saying this and it might I might feel this way just because I have my own children and I in my brain I put my babies in that situation and it just it hits my soul it hits it hard and and I think that when your mom it just it doesn't matter if your kid is I'm not really sure I didn't, how old Lacey would have been not very old 
but it doesn't matter if your child is 20 or 50 or 70 they're still your baby your child yep so yep for sure it's a gross one guys yeah well next week is my turn and i am doing... i'm sure you already have picked out what you're doing <laughs> i do i'm already done my research done um, I am doing the rainbow murders that happened in Poc- Pocahontas County, West Virginia. Mm, don't yeah. freak me out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's nuts. It's, I mean, it's, um, it's nuts in a sense of like, there's just a lot. Like, it, it it'll be an interesting episode. Um, not that you, not that you won't cry, like how I felt like crying these past two episodes because, you know, George Banks was just awful and like, this is just awful. Um, But there's no children in this one. So take that at face value. This is an adult. If I ever, um, if I ever get the urge to talk about Chris Watts, tell me no. Yeah. Yeah, I, heard, I don't think I can make it through the whole podcast without myself crying. So yeah, no, I've listened to a couple podcasts and um I think I watched I think I watched a Daily Syrian episode and I cried. I, I cried and I like I cry a lot more now that I've had children, but um it it was not good. Sorry, I had to be a mom there for a second. I've seen it. I got the witness hit, guys. You didn't. <laughs> I got to. I got to see it firsthand. All right, but this has been Murder Obsessed. I'm Katrina. I'm Sydney. Hey, don't forget, guys, tomorrow we are doing petty, and we are being petty about the cost of living. You yeah. might want to join us. Yeah, because you're listening. You're probably pissed about the cost of living as well. Um, yeah. All right, guys. Stay listening. Stay murder obsessed, but don't be like this douchebag and be obsessed with murdering. Bye. Later. Hi, I'm here today to talk about. Hi, I'm here today to talk about Pioneer Boutique. It's located in at 106 Front Street, Marietta, Ohio. And it is a retail gift shop, but they also offer alterations, painting classes, and custom orders. They're conveniently located right on Front Street in Marietta across from the Lafayette with personal accounts tailored to your preferences, including online pay, curbside pickup, and the option to text our store, give us a call, send us a message, or stop in to get started. I am super excited about this because they are actually sponsoring Murder Obsessed. And so I'm just really excited to talk about them. They have vendors such as Double A Crafts, Cross My Heart Cast Iron, Nimbus Arts, Rose Barn Boutique, Wild Roots Designs, Rhonda's Unique Boutique, Just Lovely Apparel, custom craft creations brushing it with betsy and there is now murder obsessed merchandise so go ahead stop by marietta and check out the awesome 
Pioneer Boutique.